Happy Monday, everybody. This is Get Your Goat with Josh. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Today, I'm doing a deep dive into the NBA, ranking my most dangerous NBA teams as we now enter the play-in playoff season. Regular season is over. I'm going to break down some of the games, what is happening with the Lakers, who I think should win MVP, who I think will win it all, all this on today's NBA playoffs, what will be happening this next week. But first, of course, my focus, love, is for the NFL. The Ravens, Baltimore Ravens, are resigning their defensive end, Calais Campbell, to a two-year, a $12.5 million contract. I think this is a great deal. You know, Lamar Jackson was happy about this. Tony Jefferson, uh, Calais Campbell has been great for the Baltimore Ravens, even if he is, you know, a little older now at 35, uh, contemplated retirement. But I think this is a great, you know, veteran resigning, you know, that, you know, he didn't retire, but is staying there. I think he is still a very good piece to have on the inside. And the Ravens, you know, they tried to sign Bobby Wagner, could not get a deal done. So they turned their attention to Josh Bynes and re-signed him as well. So I think this is great for the Ravens. They're trying to re-sign people, uh, retool, so that, you know, when Lamar Jackson, uh, his contract comes around, he will be getting a big payday. So that's what the Ravens are kind of maneuvering and approaching and knowing that a lot of their money is going to be spent on one Lamar Jackson. Now time to talk about the NBA. Starting with the Lakers. Frank Vogel has been fired. Uh, you know, there was a report last night saying that, you know, they, this was expected. You know, this was his last game coaching the Los Angeles Lakers or win yesterday over the Nuggets. Uh, and then it became official today. Frank Vogel was a little heated about it, you know, saying, I don't know. Uh, SH about this and uh, got defensive. Uh, so Frank Vogel is out, is the Lakers head coach. I don't think this is the greatest decision. I think there are better coaches out there than Frank Vogel. I think Doc Rivers is a better coach. I think uh, Ty Lu is a better coach. Monty Williams, Steve Kerr. I think there's better coaches out there than Frank Vogel. But you cannot solely place the blame of the Lakers' abysmal season on Frank Vogel. You cannot. He deserves anywhere from 1% to 10% of the blame for the season. Why? Because he did not construct this roster. These were not his guys. Uh, if you look at the teams in the past that were better, Frank Vogel is a defensive-minded coach. Last year, had the number one defense. LeBron leading the charge. AD a little bit more healthy last year than he was this, this year. You had younger guys as well last year. The year before, when they won the bubble championship, AD 
great defensively. This was a great defensive team, top five. Uh, and they had the players, the youth. Now, Frank Vogel, a defensive-minded coach, you give him 35-year-old Trevor Ariza, who can't defend, uh, Carmelo Anthony, who is not a defender as well. Uh, Austin Reeves can't defend. Russell Westbrook can't defend. Malik Monk. So you give him guys that cannot defend. So you're not constructing this roster to the strengths of Frank Vogel. They're just not. Uh, LeBron took a step back defensively because he was carrying such a uh, burden offensively every night, averaging, you know, 38-5. and five. Uh, So, to me, Frank Vogel does not deserve the blame because uh, these were not his guys, the guys that he wanted. Who deserves the blame for the Lakers season? Uh, I'm not going to shy away. I'm going to say 50. Actually, I'm going to break it up like this. I'm going to say uh, 40% LeBron for this season because he was the key push for the Russell Westbrook trade. So even though he played great this year, was phenomenal. If this team was one of the top teams in the NBA, LeBron would probably have won MVP or been in the MVP conversation. But the fact that this team was so bad and the fact that the narrative and everybody knows that LeBron pushed for Russell Westbrook, you get a lot of points dinged off that. So he deserves 40% of the blame. I'll put 10% on Frank Vogel uh, because I think he could have benched Russ, but he knows he benches Russ. He does some other things. It alienates certain people. So that's 50% of the blame allocated. 25% I'm putting on the front office uh, for constructing this roster alongside LeBron, uh, Rob Polinka, Jeannie Buss, all the moves they made, uh, you know, they were inconsistent, uh, built offensively, again, not to the strengths of Frank Vogel and the defense because as we've seen the past couple of years with the Lakers, they are best when they are playing defense. They are getting into transition. They're fast. This is not a athletic, fast defensive team. This is a old, slow offensive team. And the other 25% on placing the blame is the players. They're old and slow. They didn't buy in. Anthony Davis battled injuries. He's just injury prone now. Uh, LeBron James uh, battled his injuries. He's been taking a lot more rest in year 19. And then a lot of the other players uh, did not step up with their roles as well. THT didn't take just one or two steps back. Uh, He took like 10 or 12 steps back. Uh, Russell Westbrook, atrocity. This team, an atrocity. There was a lot of things wrong with this team, the Lakers. And this was the team that I picked preseason to win it all. I was one of the many that said the Lakers will win it all and it blew up in their face and in mine. It was not uh, this Lakers team did not meet expectations whatsoever to be 
16 games, finished 16 games below 500, 33 and 49. It's disappointing. It's disappointing. So, what do the Lakers need to do uh, to get better? AD says they can still win with him and Braun. Well, guess what? That's all. That's all very nice, Anthony Davis, but. We can't rely and trust you to be on the court. That's a great notion and all, but when you're not holding up your end of the bargain and you're never on the court, it's hard to say we can win another one. Even LeBron. LeBron says he's still hungry for a title. I don't know. To me, nobody looked hungry this year for anything. Uh, LeBron missing a lot of games at the end. He didn't even want to go after the scoring title and just wanted to rest even in a must-win game. He did not appear. So I don't know if he's that hungry again. I think halfway through the season, he sort of checked out. I forget which loss it was. I think it was, yeah, it was to Milwaukee, uh, January, February. And they asked, you know, are they, can they get to the Bucks level? And LeBron said, no, we cannot get to that level. So right then and there, he made the assumption and the declaration that no matter what happens this year, we cannot get to that championship level. So I believe even if LeBron is hungry for a title, he mentally checked out this season. He was done, uh, and it's gone. So what do the Lakers need to do now to get better? Well, first, they need a head coach, Frank Vogel is not the guy. So there's been a lot of names, you know, there's no clear front runner. They're going to explore every option. Uh, there's been a few names out there. Mark Jackson is one I like uh, because he is the creator of the Splash Brothers, the original big three in Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and uh, Clay Thompson. And he does not get enough credit. You know, all the credit goes to Steve Kerr, and deservedly so. He won three championships with that team, got Kevin Durant, uh, and had the 73-win team. Uh, But Mark Jackson, to me, does not get enough credit, and he should for putting that team together uh, in giving Steve Kerr an amazing opportunity to go out there and just win championships with a roster that Mark Jackson put together. So any new coach, Mark Jackson, like that. David Fisdale's been mentioned. I'm not high on him anymore. So Mark Jackson's one guy I like. I also like Doc Rivers because who knows what happens with the Sixers. I think they lose in the first round. Doc's probably going to be gone. They lose in the second round. It's 50-50 from there. Doc Rivers is a winning coach. Uh, I don't think he's a coach he once was in Boston. But he is still a winning and very good coach. And the players, I do think, for the most part, like him. And finally, another name that's floated around is Jawan Howard, the coach for the Michigan Wolverines. My Michigan Wolverines. This is another one I would like because he fights for his players, literally, uh, you know, telling Mark Turgeon of Maryland that he'll kill him and you know, punching a Wisconsin uh, coach earlier this year. So he's not afraid to actually act on it. Uh, 
he's got more umph than, you know, baseball managers that I see and maybe any other coach. Uh, he fights for his players, stands up for everyone, uh, which I think he which I think people like. And I also think he has an inside uh, kind of, you know, thing with LeBron as well. Uh, might not be that public, but, you know, Jawan Howard was on the Cavs with LeBron earlier in his career. And Jawan Howard was an assistant with Eric Spolstra in the Miami Heat. Won a couple rings there as an assistant. So, that to me is another good option. More of a player's coach. I think that would be a very good fit. Wouldn't be surprised if Jawan Howard got the call and he was the coach over there for the Los Angeles Lakers. So to me, those are three very viable coaching options. Mark Jackson, Jawan Howard, and Doc Rivers. I'd be fine with any of those. I think it is an improvement over uh, Frank Vogel. makes the team a little better. But what else is needed? They need some roster decisions. Uh, You know, LeBron James, I don't know if he wants to take a step back now as GM after this terrible year. Uh, But, you know... Now, you know, he's saying that, you know, it's not my decision, any of these roster moves. It's a front office, you know. He's trying to put all this blame on the front office. Uh, in the, you know, I think the front office will do whatever it takes to help this ball club. You know, he'll give his opinion. But at the end of the day, you know, they're going to make the decision because it's their team. So, you know, it's all very interesting. But, yes, you know. To me, the Lakers need to blow this thing up. To me, they should, if I was the Lakers right now, I look at this team, this terrible, terrible team, uh, and I get rid of everybody. I don't extend uh, the contracts, you know, of anybody. I let go of, you know, I let Malik Monk go. I let Carmelo Anthony go. I might trade THT for a second-round pick there. Uh, Try to get the rug out of Russell Russell Westbrook, get him somewhere. Uh, I will not include a first-round pick, but I will, you know, offer him to any team for any price. A second-round pick, a worse player, you know, that might not be playing a cap situation like Lou Aldang, who we just got off your books. I will take that to get that abysmal contract off my books. I would trade Anthony Davis as well. Uh, would a team like the Chicago Bulls be willing to – partner up there. What about the Brooklyn Nets? Would they trade someone like Ben Simmons uh, for somebody who is a better defender than him? And I would actually trade LeBron James as well. That's where you'd get the most trade value from. Because if I'm the Lakers, I know that I don't expect LeBron to finish out my career here. He wants to play with Bronny in a couple years. This is his last year of his contract. If he doesn't sign that extension this year, I'm not going to let him walk. I am going to trade him. I'm going to trade AD and blow this thing up. And I know a lot of people say that these are the Los Angeles Lakers. They expect to win championships year after year after year. Well, that's good and all. I'm glad they expect to win championships year after year. But so do the Celtics, and they only have one banner to speak of. In the past 20 years. I'm glad the Lakers do because they went a stretch there of six years or so, even with Kobe Bryant on their team. 
that they missed the playoffs for six consecutive years. Then LeBron came, and guess what? They made the playoffs. So these Lakers fans of you know the past few years, they have their championship, but they, they're also accustomed to missing the playoffs a few years. So yes, the expectation is to win, but it's also to have teams that contend for years. Dynasty, the Shaq and Kobe, the Kobe and Pa, the uh, Magic and Kareem, you know, all of them, the Wilt Chamberlains, everyone. That's what they expect. Longevity of greatness, not a three, four-year stint. So I think the Lakers would be fine with it, getting draft picks and rebuilding as well, coming back better in three years with your young group uh, of them. So... I don't think that's fully off the cards. I don't think that will happen. I think they try to get rid of Russell Westbrook, and they'll keep LeBron and AD, and they'll try to fill this roster to the new coach, to LeBron's liking, and it'll better orient. But that's what I would do if I was the Los Angeles Lakers. I would blow this thing up. Uh, Everybody gets moved. I don't care if I have to be the laughing stock the next few years, I know it will be better for me and my franchise for the next 10 years than it will be just for the next year. So if I am the Los Angeles Lakers, that is what I am doing. Especially after, you know, the news that Magic Johnson and I could have had a buddy healed trade to Marder Rosen. Could have came in. Alex Caruso could have resigned. We would have been a good team. So all this turmoil and things that are affecting the Lakers, they just need to get rid of it all and blow it up. Now, talking about the NBA teams that currently stand in the playoffs, I'm going to rank my most dangerous NBA teams, and I'm giving you eight. Uh, you know, there are 16 teams that will officially make the playoffs. I'm giving you my top eight that I feel can win it all. Number eight, the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes, they are a dangerous team when healthy Joel Embiid, who I think should win MVP. He won the scoring title as well. When he's locked in defensively, He can hang with the best of the best down there. He is the key cog of the Philadelphia 76ers. You add in James Harden, who can also shoot lights out at times. This has not been his best year, but he is still, you know, he averaged a double-double this year. 21 points, 10 assists. You have that, Joel Embiid, 30 and 12. Uh, This is a good team. You've got Tyrese Maxey. Running Point, who's been terrific this year, 17 points. Tobias Harris as well, 17 points. Uh, this is a good team. Then they can have Danny Green come off the bench or a thigh bowl as well. Uh, and when it's a playoff rotation, I think it'll benefit the Sixers when you're not playing nine or ten guys. You're playing seven, eight, maybe nine guys uh, come playoff time. Uh, I think this will help Philly. They are a dangerous team. Number seven. The Boston Celtics. It can be argued that no team has been hotter than the Boston Celtics than the start of the new year, January 1, 2022. They have been terrific to me. The best defensive team in the league. 
so far this whole year. Uh, eclipsed, you know, Marcus Smart in contention for defensive player of the year. Uh, Robert Williams as well has also been great defensively. So you have those two key pieces, especially if Robert Williams, who's been injured, if he comes back healthy for the playoffs, that makes this team even better. Then you've got the duo, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, just electric offensively. Uh, this is as good as they've ever played together. A Jason Tatum, 27 points a game. A Jalen Brown, a 24. Uh, so this team right here, they're built to win. They have the offense. They have the defense. Uh, the coach as well has been terrific. This is a dangerous Boston Celtics team. Number six, the Dallas Mavericks. Another team that took off start of the new year, January 1, 2022. The Dallas Mavericks, led by Luka Doncic. When they traded Chris Stapps Porzingis, Luka Doncic took it to another level, averaging 28 points, uh, nine rebounds, nine assists, 28-9-9. and nine. Just a terrific stat line. The team leader in points, rebounds, and assists has been terrific. Uh, if you played like this a couple months earlier uh, in the season, probably would have been uh, in the MVP conversation a little more because he's been great. But role players on this team has also been good. The Jalen Brunsons, the Dinwiddie, uh, Hardaway, EMO, he's been injured and is not likely to come back. Finney Smith, Powell, uh, Kleber, they have all played a big part. Each one seems to get hot in a game uh, to help Luka Doncic out. So that is what is needed. A playoff time, uh, one of those guys to always stay hot uh, with Luka carrying, uh, you know, the usual load of this team. Number five, the Miami Heat, the number one team in the Eastern Conference, yet it's not the most dangerous team in that conference. Uh, there are Knights where it looks like that they are they're number one in uh, the league. And then there's nights that look like they can get swept by anybody in these playoffs. So, you know, it is interesting, but they have the pieces there. They've got a championship-caliber coach in Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, 21 points. Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year, I believe, should be. He's had 20 points as well. Bam Adebayo, averaging 19 has a case for defensive player of the year as well. Kyle Lowry, quite a dip of points, only 13, but he's averaging eight assists. Uh, Duncan Robinson, still lethal from three. Victor Oladipo, finally into the rotation. It's better seeing him. He unlocks just another piece than P.J. Tucker defensively as well. This Miami Heat team, they click it with this rotation. Come playoff time right now. Watch out for Miami. Number four, the Phoenix Suns. Yes, the Phoenix Suns are only number four on this list. Because to me, they are more like the other four teams that I just mentioned, the Heat, Mavericks, Celtics, 76ers, than the other three teams. And that, you know, they're consistent, they're good, but they don't have a piece that truly scares me and says, he's going to beat me night in and night out like 
that guy over there, he scares the defense. They don't have a player like that. Devin Booker has been great. You know, he's averaged 20, 27, 5, and 5. Uh, great stat line. Uh, he's been the leader of his team, Chris Paul, you know, averaging 14 and 11 or 15 and 11. DeAndre Eaton, Eaton uh, 17 and 10. That's the key of their team. Mikhail Bridges played every game for his team, 14 points. Also in consideration uh, for defensive player of the year, even though I don't expect him to win. Uh, this is a great team, a lot of depth. Uh, you know, they have six, seven guys averaging double figures. I mean, it's crazy that, you know, Cameron Payne, Frank Kaminsky average more points, you know, than a Jake Crowder, Landry Shamit, and JaVale McGee. Uh, so this is a consistent team led by Monty Williams, has depth, but they don't have a piece that instills fear where what they do is unguardable night in and night out. They do not have that. Is the next three teams I'm going to mention kind of separate themselves from a pack. Number three, the Golden State Warriors. Yes, they have a piece that truly scares me in Steph Curry. I believe he'll be back for the playoffs. Uh, and this team, you know, early in the year, they were that team number one for a while there uh, before Draymond got hurt and then Steph got hurt. Rails kind of fell off at the end. Their big three of Clay, Steph, and Draymond only played 11 minutes together. That number's going to bump up in the playoffs. Clay Thompson just exploded for 41 points last night. Steph Curry coming back, uh, you know, opening the year. He was right hot from three, cooled down. I think this time off is actually going to benefit Steph Curry. And like I said, he is a dangerous, lethal player. Nobody on the Phoenix Suns can guard Steph Curry. Nobody on the Dallas Mavericks can guard Steph Curry. Nobody. Nobody in this conference can. So that is what truly makes this team that dangerous is that they have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, most improved player this year, averaged 19 points. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, all-star, 18 points. This is a good team. And you've got Kaminga, Otto Porter as well, uh, Gary Payton. This is a good Warriors team. Steve Kerr, fantastic coach. This is going to be a dangerous team. Uh, this is a team I don't want to see right away, and, you know, I was hoping for the Warriors to lose yesterday so that they dropped to the four and play the Suns in the semifinals. That didn't happen, so we're going to have an explosive opening round. Number two, the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes, another team that has a player that truly scares me. The best player in the league, actually, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the best player in the NBA right now. Uh, to me, also should be on MVP. Watch should have win MVP, but he's right there, averaging 30 points a season, was second in scoring. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo averaging 12 rebounds. Chris Middleton, 20 points, 25 and 5. Drew Holiday, 19 points. Bobby Portis has played great. Brooks Lopez finally got back into the lineup later this year. 
He's also been really good. Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton. Great team. Great team defending reigning NBA champions, the Milwaukee Bucks. I believe they're going to make another deep playoff run this year. And again, player I fear, nobody can match up with is Giannis. Uh, nobody on the Celtics can match up with Giannis. Even Robert Williams, who I think is great, can't match Giannis. Nobody on the Sixers. Uh, I know Joel Embiid, but Giannis has got his number. Bam is probably the closest player on the Heat. But Giannis just has a tendency of wearing you down and wearing you out, especially in a seven-game series. And number one, the Memphis Grizzlies, to me, are the most dangerous team. They have the most electrifying player in the league with John Morant as their point guard, uh, who was in the MVP conversation early, got injured later in the year, finally returned a couple games ago. But he averaged 27.6 rebounds, 6 assists. Oh, is that a better number than Devin Booker? Yes, that is. Checkmate. But this team just has incredible depth. Uh, Like I said, you know, the Suns have great depth. To me, the Grizzlies have even more. Uh, You know, not only, it's not just Jive Show. I believe they were 20 and 4 or 21 and 4 or 5 or something like that. Games without John Moran played because Dylan Brooks stepped up. He was injured a lot this year. Came on strong later in the season. Desmond Bain, been terrific. Jaron Jackson missed four games, but has also been Defensive Player of the Year worthy. Melton as well. Brandon Clark. Steven Adams, rebounding monster. Fantastic team. Well-constructed. This is a team that, you know, I watched beat the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. John Morant, game winner. They also beat the Suns, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. When the Grizzlies were missing, you know, four starters, they were missing uh, Ja, Brooks, Jackson, and Adams. They missed all those guys, and they still got the win. This is a team that has youth, is athletic, is a top offensive and defensive team. To me, top five in both offensive and defensive metrics is, is, to me, the best team right now. Now moving on to the play-in game. So those were my most dangerous teams right now in the NBA heading into the playoffs. 76ers, Celtics, Mavericks, Heat, Suns, Warriors, Bucks, Grizzlies. Tonight, or excuse me, tomorrow night starts the play-in games. So let's go over those. The first one is the Cavaliers, the Cleveland Cavs, and the Brooklyn Nets. You know... Brooklyn Nets were, to me, I thought they were to end this more on the 9 and 10 side. And I thought that Cleveland, you know, was actually going to make the playoffs, but they did not finish off the season strong. Their last 10 games, they lost 7 of them. 7 of 10, actually, you know, more like 8 of 11. Uh, they did not finish great. And they have good pieces. I just don't think they're there yet. Uh, I like Darius Garland a lot. Uh, 
and Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, another consideration, the sixth man of the year. They've all been great. But they're facing a healthy Brooklyn Nets team for the most part, albeit Ben Simmons, uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving tomorrow night. I think it's just going to be too much for this play-in game. I don't think the Nets lose and then have a, you know, make it or lose it. I think the Nets win this playoff game, this play-in game. They beat the Cavs and then play the Celtics. So the seventh, eighth spot, I got the Nets beating the Cavs. Then also tomorrow night, you have the Clippers and the Timberwolves. And since the All-Star break, it feels like nobody's been hotter than the Timberwolves. You know, the past two game, 10 games, I don't think the Timberwolves have played their hottest. Uh, they kind of knew they were locked into a play-in berth, uh, kind of took the gas off a little bit. But I think this Clippers-Timberwolves game will be great. But to me, the Timberwolves, Carl Anthony Towns, you know, this team, a little bit more continuity. Anthony Edwards, uh, D'Angelo Russell, uh, this is a team... I think, will beat the Clippers. So to me, those are both, uh, I think, the seventh spots. You know, Brooklyn, seventh seed, Minnesota, seventh seed. uh, Both those teams win tomorrow night. Then the nine and ten games, Hornets and Hawks. Hawks are going to win. To me, you know, even though the record's the same, Hawks are a better team. I know John Collins hasn't played a lot this year. That has hurt this team, uh, you know, his injury. But Trey Young is better than LaMelo Ball. Give me Trey Young over LaMelo Ball any day of the week. Uh, give me this Atlanta Hawks team, you know, who has the experience, made it to the conference finals last year. Uh, I will give them props for that. But Charlotte. You know, your run ends tomorrow. Michael Jordan is not lacing them up. He's not giving you any points. So I got Atlanta beating Charlotte. Charlotte goes home in the play-in game. And then Spurs and Pelicans. Uh, I would love to see Zion come out to the floor Wednesday night. I do not think that's going to happen. And no worry. I like the Pelicans to beat the Spurs. Uh Spurs kind of got lucky to get in because, to me, the Lakers played so poorly. They just quit there. So San Antonio somehow was blessed to see a spot. And the Pelicans have also been playing pretty well. Uh, Brandon Egram, the trade of C.J. McCollum, I think invigorated this team and said, hey, we're not quitting on the year. Uh, Valanchunas has been great. Uh, Who knows if Zion will play? That'd be a miracle if he does play. He's been practicing. Uh, it, to me, it'd be insane. You know, right now there should really be a you know a bet like who's going to see the court first, Zion or Ben Simmons, because they're such integral pieces to their team, and neither of them are on the floor. They don't take their off-season conditioning, you know, well enough. Uh, I'll give Zion a little bit more of a pass because of his injuries because it's the city of New Orleans. But Ben Simmons does not get a pass considering that he had no back issues with the 76ers. And now there seems to be all kinds of issues with him, you know, this year 
that were on the Sixers and then now on the Nets. Uh, but I like the Pelicans to win that game. Then, if all that uh, goes into place, then you kind of have the next matchups, kind of my hypotheticals, you know, that will play out Friday night. You've got the Cavs and the Hawks. You know, I think the Cavs will win that game. I think the Hawks are just too beat up this year. I think the Cavs, you know, are a better team. They have more depth. They have more pieces surrounding them uh, to beat the Hawks in this game. And then the Clippers-Pelicans, I think the Clippers will win. Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, uh, Terrence Mann, Ty Lue is a coach. Uh, I think he beats the Pelicans, uh, and the Pelicans go home. So it's both, you know, the teams that should be in the playoffs already, forcing them to play in game, they'll both win. The seventh and eighth teams make it. And then with that, you know, you're going to have uh, Boston, I believe, play Brooklyn. I thought Milwaukee kind of ducked Brooklyn. They rested all their starters, uh, and they lost their game yesterday. Uh, Boston could have done the same thing, and Milwaukee would have got the two spot. Instead, Boston did it. They wanted the two. Now I think they'll face Brooklyn right away. And what will be a tremendous matchup to me, Boston's got the better of Brooklyn so far. Uh, I remember, you know, kind of like KD and Jason Tatum's like dueling 50-point games right there. Uh, Jason Tatum's team came out on top to me. Boston's better overall, you know, defensively. You know, Brooklyn has the offensive firepower. uh, But I am not sold on Brooklyn being a dangerous team because if they were a dangerous team, we wouldn't be in this play-in game right here, right now. Then, you know, you'd have Cleveland play Miami. I think that'd be an easy sweep for Miami, even though I think the Boston-Brooklyn series will probably go six, seven games. In the West, you'd have Memphis facing the T-Wolves. Easy matchup there, I think, for the Grizzlies. Grizzlies beat them, you know, either sweep them or beat them in five games. Then you've got a tough matchup for the Suns. I don't think... You know, the Suns or Grizzlies want to face the Clippers in the opening round. Especially Phoenix, you know, Paul George did all he could last year without Kawhi and took Phoenix to six games. It was a tremendous series. If Paul George plays anything like that, you know, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, anything like that, you know, Kawhi's not coming back. uh, So it is on Paul George. I think that series will be tough. I think it will go to six games. It would be a terrific series, but in the end, Phoenix health and depth is too much to come. Uh, the great Ty Lue and Paul George uh, still, you know, wishing they had Kawhi, and they just don't. Then, like I said earlier, I think Joel Embiid should win MVP. He is the most deserving. He won uh, the scoring title, you know, this year. Uh, and then defensively, when he's locked in, he's really good. Uh, the team, you know, 51 and 31, two games out of first place uh, in their conference. Had a terrific year. And most of the work done by Joel was done by himself. They got James Harden trade deadline right there. So majority of the games, you know, 
was played by himself the last 20, had James Harden, but the bulk of the load, again, was alone by Joel. He had a better record than the Denver Nuggets. You know, Denver sat in amassing 16 games back from Phoenix. They were also two games in danger of making it to the play-in. So, Joel did better for his team this year. I thought Nikola Jocic had a great year this year. But to me, it's not better than uh, Joel Embiid's. It's not even better than Giannis Antetokounmpo. To me, even, you know, Luka Doncic has a better case for MVP, and so does Devin Booker. Uh, I just really don't want to see Jokic uh, win MVP. Again, to me, that'd be the biggest travesty of this NBA season is having Nikola Jokic win a back-to-back MVP. That'd be devastating to the league. Not literal devastation, but devastating like to the fans, especially casual fans, really. This guy, again. So then, NBA playoffs. My pick preseason was the Lakers. That failed. Then the trade deadline came, you know, after all those moves. I made a new pick. It was the Memphis Grizzlies. I said we're going to win it all. I am standing by that pick. I believe the Memphis Grizzlies will win it all. I believe it's going to be them and the Bucks. The Bucks I still have coming out of the East. But it is very tough to repeat in any sport, no matter what it is. But I like the Memphis Grizzlies to win the NBA Finals. In the East, you've got Miami and Cleveland, who I think. I think Miami will win that series. You have then Boston and Brooklyn. I'm going to go Brooklyn winning that series as much as I want Boston to win. As much as I'll be rooting for Boston to win. I think Brooklyn wins. Again, they've got the experience in the firepower, KD and Kyrie. Even if Ben Simmons doesn't play, this will be a series that goes to six or seven games. I think Brooklyn takes care of Boston. Then you have Milwaukee and the Bulls. I think Milwaukee can sweep the Chicago Bulls, uh, who were playing great first half of the season. DeMar DeRozan. Fully fledged as an MVP candidate, MVP conversation. They have taken a major, major drop off. In fact, they are the only team in the Eastern Conference that is in the playoffs slash playing that has a negative point differential, meaning that they have let their opponents score more on average this season than they have. They are the only team in the Eastern Conference that are the top 10 teams. So playoff teams, play-in teams that have that. That is not a good sign when, especially you're playing Milwaukee, one of the top offenses and one of the top defenses. This is not going to be a fun series for the Chicago Bulls. I have them getting swept. And then Philadelphia and Toronto. Toronto, who I thought was going to be a play-in team, uh, you know, seven or eight there, 
and they kind of went on a tear to end the season, won eight of their past ten, skyrocketed past Brooklyn, past Chicago to get the five spot. I think he'll be a tough out. Nick Nurse, one of the best coaches, but they're playing Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia ends up getting the win. So then you have Miami playing um, Philadelphia. I think Miami wins that series. Miami does have an easy side of a bracket. Remember, the NBA does not reseed teams like the NFL does. The brackets go. So you have Miami playing Philadelphia. I think Miami wins. I think this is a series James Harden's struggles really appear as Miami is just doing enough to win basketball games, but James Harden is shrinking in the big moments. Miami goes on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Then you've got a semifinals rematch of last year. Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Can Brooklyn exact revenge? No, I don't think so. Milwaukee's too good, too deep uh, defensively as well. Giannis is better than KD. Milwaukee beats Brooklyn yet again, sends them packing. This time, Milwaukee has home court, not Brooklyn. So then the Eastern Conference Finals, you have Miami and Milwaukee. Uh, And this is a playoff matchup that we've kind of been accustomed to seeing in the playoffs. You know, last year, Milwaukee, you know, beat Miami in four games, or it was either four or five. Year before that, Milwaukee was the best team. Miami beat them in four or five games. So these two teams are very, very familiar with each other. Uh, I think this will be a tremendous series. Miami can definitely take them out, can give them a shot. I think this is a series that can go six or seven games. But in the end, Giannis is too good. Milwaukee wins a series, beats Miami. They're representing the East and the NBA Finals. Then the West. I think you'll have Phoenix and the Clippers. Clippers will give the Phoenix, you know, a run. Won't go to seven games. Phoenix gets the win here uh, since Paul George home. Yet again, Phoenix is just too good, too deep for the Clippers. The Clippers aren't even fully healthy either. Then you got the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. Much as the Timberwolves have been playing well, Grizzlies are just that team that I think they are this year. I think they are the real deal. I think their team, every team should be worried about. Memphis wins this series with ease. Golden State and Denver. This is a tough matchup for Golden State, considering they don't have a big to guard Jochic. Uh, Draymond Green can do his best, but he does not have the size advantage. So this is going to be a tough series for Golden State. Uh, and I think, but I do think Golden State wins this series. In Dallas and Utah, uh, teams that have underperformed in the playoffs the past few years, Luka has not made it out of the first round. Can they beat Utah? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say they don't beat Utah, even though to me they're a dangerous team. Utah is just consistent. They'll win a first-round series. That's what they do. Luka does not make it out of the first round again. Uh, Utah beats Dallas. So then you, your Western Conference semifinals, you have Phoenix and Utah. 
I think this is a great series. I thought this is what it should have been last year in the conference finals, so we give that expected matchup. However, Phoenix Suns are a little bit better than they were last year. Utah's a little worse than they were last year. So because of that, Phoenix beats Utah. This is a good series because Rudy Gobert can guard DeAndre Ayton. It's probably the one center that he can guard and feel good about, not switching off to the perimeter a ton, which is great for him, great for this team and how it's structured. But Phoenix still wins. They go to the Western Conference Finals. Then you have Memphis and Golden State, which will be an epic series. But guess what? As much as Golden State's a dangerous team, Memphis is more dangerous. Memphis beat Golden State and kicked them out of the play-in last year. This year, Memphis has got the better of them more times than not. So Memphis is the team I am rolling with here right now. The Memphis Grizzlies are the real deal. They're going to send Golden State home yet again, which sets up the Western Conference Finals of the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies, which to me will be a series that goes seven games, goes to the brink. But Memphis in the end, Ja Morant, give me Ja over Chris Paul. He is, you know, even though Chris Paul is great, you know, assisting, he is not the go bucket getter that Ja Morant is. Then you've got a great matchup, you know, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, uh, Devin Booker, that's great. And then down low, Jaron Jackson, Stephen Adams can handle uh, DeAndre Eaton or if uh, Jaron Jackson needs to guard Mikhail Bridges or whoever's hot. He can definitely do that. So two teams who I think have the most depth play each other. Memphis comes out on top. Then the NBA Finals, you have Memphis and Milwaukee. And like I said, Memphis wins it all. I don't see it going six either or seven either. I think Memphis actually wins in five or six games. It's kind of an anticlimactic uh, end to the NBA season. Memphis does win it all. That is my prediction. I'm sticking with it. I'll go down with the Memphis ship if I have to this year. Grizzlies will win it all. And then last but not least, this past weekend was the Masters. Congratulations to Scotty Scheffler to winning the Masters uh, really, it was that the first two days it kind of sealed the deal when he was up by five or six shots. Then he just coasted on the weekend playing even par golf, and everybody was too far behind to catch up to him. Just dominated the Masters the first two days, similar to a 2000s Tiger Woods and a 2000, I believe, 13 or 14, uh, maybe it was even 15, uh, Jordan Spieth, where he took the tournament by storm. Congratulations, Scotty Scheffler, who has been white hot recently, won four of his six past tournament starts. Just great. Uh, tough conditions. You only had nine players finish under par and 11 even to under par. So Masters played exceptionally tough with the colder weather conditions, the wind. But Scotty Scheffler endured the elements. Congratulations. 
to Scotty. But to me, the true winner here is Tiger Woods. Uh, made the cut, had a decent first day, second day, you know, was just all right, but well enough to make the cut and then kind of balloon there Saturday and Sunday, uh, back-to-back 78s on the weekend, you know, put him around plus 13, 47th place. Not a great finish, but what was key is, even though he walked with a limp, he was out there. I think he was gassed by those last two days, but he won. The crowd loved Tiger. I loved watching Tiger. Even yesterday, when he was far behind, I tuned in to watch one Tiger Woods. And it's great to me that this isn't it. That he's still committed. He's committed to playing the Open in uh, a couple months. You know, he said we'll see about the players. Uh, but who knows? I think this is exactly... Uh, what he needs to do, uh, you know, is kind of just major hunt. You know, he's never going to play a full PGA Tour season. But if he plays, you know, one event a month, you know, he's got the Masters Tournament. Uh, next month, the PGA, he's not committed to that as well. But he could definitely play that. Uh, the following month, U.S. Open, and then the Open. So we'll see how much he plays within there, uh, but maybe just playing a tournament a month. Uh, you know, you've got majors every month now. You just had the Masters made, like I said, it's PGA, June, U.S. Open. And July is the Open. He committed to the Open, so we'll see about anything in between. But it's great to see Tiger back, and I think, you know, that first round that he played, if he can build on that, build on this tournament, you know, he can still win another master. It's not out of the table, especially last year, seeing Phil Mickelson win the PGA Championship at 50 years old. Jim Nance saying Phil has defeated Father Time. Still remember watching that tournament clear as day. If Phil can do it at 50 years old, and I know Phil hasn't had, you know, the injuries and but life-threatening accident that Tiger has. But if Phil can do it, I still think, you know, even though Tiger and Phil are much closer now, they're not enemies as they used to be on the golf course. They're friendlier now. They play in matches. Uh, I do think that gives Tiger a little push saying, hey, you know, even if he's cordial about it, you know, he's just happy to be out there. I think that gives him a little push, a competitive edge in his mind that says, I can still go out there and win another major championship. And I believe he will compete for majors in the future. And I think we have not seen the end of Tiger Woods yet. So that's it. This has been Get Your Goat. Who do you think is going to win the NBA Finals? Take the trophy home. I got the Grizzlies. Who do you got? Bye, everybody. Talk to you later.